Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and I am really happy to be here with you today. And I mean that, and I am saying that in real time today being Monday, December 6th, which is the day that this is coming out. Typically, Alana and I have shared before, we batch our episodes. We record several episodes at a time, sometimes a lot of episodes at a time. Like in a week, we can knock out, you know, six episodes sometimes, depending on the week and what we're doing. And it's a lot of fun. And it's a way that we can kind of schedule things a little bit more easily and plan ahead better so that we're not waiting till the last minute or risking someone being sick or a kid needing something or, you know, anything that might keep us from getting that episode out that week. And if I'm being really honest with you, the reason I'm here in real time is because I thought I had an episode scheduled already for today coming out. And when I looked this morning on anchor on my app to see, you know, how the episode was doing and, and what, you know, what was out there today, there wasn't one. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've got in an hour, I have to do a pre-recorded interview with someone to come on the podcast. We'll be airing that in a couple of, you know, maybe a month or two. And in the meantime, you guys are left hanging. And I thought we have never missed a Monday, not once. There've been times when we've had episodes that have gone out a little bit later than usual for different reasons on Mondays, but we have never, ever missed a Monday. I don't think. So I'm not going to let this go by. Uh, we're not going to miss a Monday this week either. But I, I just sat down. I got the kids off to school and I sat down and I thought, okay, Lord, what do you want to come out of this? Because, you know, I don't know if I would say every single thing happens for a reason. Like, and I know that's an interesting conversation, um, but, you know, I think there are some very terrible things that happen because of sin and death being in the world. I think there are things that happen because of the laws of physics. Um, if I drop an apple, it, it falls to the ground because of gravity that I guess that's a reason, but you know, I, I don't know that every single little thing happens for a reason, but what I do know is in every single thing that happens, God is at work. So I don't know. I feel like this was kind of a divine appointment here. Uh, no, what would you call it? Uh, a God incidence. Is that what you call it when it's a coincidence that God's behind? Um, I think this happened for a reason. I do think this is one of those things because I have been so busy and um, our dog had a surgery last week. I won't go into all the details, but basically I was out of town for a, a hockey tournament with one of my kids and my husband was home with the other two kids and the dog. The dog swallowed a magnetic ball and had an intestinal blockage and had to have surgery, which is pretty serious. Um, and he's okay. Now he's on the road to recovery, but coming home to that on top of all the other things, and then Christmas, and then figuring out about his boarding situation over our Christmas travel and all those things, it was a lot. And it was just, I, my, my brain is spinning every day. I find myself just kind of reeling with the busy schedule and I know I'm not alone. I know that you are dealing with the same things, maybe different kinds of busy, different kinds of scheduling, different kinds of mental cloudiness, but I know that we're all dealing with it. So today, if I had had a regularly scheduled episode, you'd be hearing a cool prayer topic and Alana and I would be having a conversation and that would be great because we love doing that. But 
because of that void, because of that white space in the podcast lineup, I thought, Lord, how can I bring peace? How can we as praying Christian women bring a little bit of peace into everyone's world when we're all so crazy busy? And so I realized that we actually already have a resource to do that. It's called Unwrapping the Gifts of Christmas. And it's a free resource. We don't really promote all that much. We just created it last year. And it's eight Old Testament prophecies pointing to the gifts we've been given through Jesus. And the intent is for it to be sort of an Advent devotional. You could do a couple of weeks up until Christmas. You could do it for eight days straight right up until Christmas, however you want to do it. Um, but it's just designed to, you know, there's something really special about unwrapping a gift. If someone hands you a gift, it's cool. It's great. You love the gift. But when you unwrap a gift, there's a sort of ritual involved there of unwrapping the gift. And there's an anticipation that builds as you unwrap that gift. And so I think the same is true for these Old Testament prophecies. There was an anticipation for the coming of Jesus, for the advent of the Son of God. Of, of Emmanuel, God with us coming to earth. And so we wanted to provide you with, through this resource, with a way to create that sense of anticipation by unwrapping these gifts of Christmas and taking time to just sit in these Old Testament prophecies, which as Christians, unless you happen to be a Messianic Jew, that has a rich tradition in the Old Testament. I know Christians read the Old Testament, but I feel like as New Testament Christians, we tend to focus on the New Testament a lot. And that's great, but there's so much richness and excitement and like uh, like putting the pieces of the puzzle together when we look at the Old Testament. And I continue to be surprised. And I've been a Christian my whole life, basically. And I've read the Bible quite a bit but I I continue to be wowed when I look at the old Testament and see the fulfillments of prophecy in these ways that sometimes I just didn't even look at before. So I want to take you through this. If you just would like to skip ahead and do this yourself, it's kind of a quiet time with God. You can go to prayingchristianwomen.com slash gifts, and it will take you to, uh, sign up for a PDF. So you just put your name and your email address in and you will get a PDF of this unwrapping the gifts of Christmas. Um, And you can go through that yourself, or if you want, you can stick around and we can do it together all at once today, or you can have the best of both worlds and you can hang around. We can do this together and you get kind of an overview and then you can dig into it a little deeper yourself because the word of God is living and active. And I tell you, you can read it all today and then go back tomorrow and just preface your time with God with show me what you want me to get out of this today. And you'll get something new or, or something deeper or see it in a new light because God's word is, is so dynamic and amazing that that's just what happens. So without further ado, let's go through these. I love them. And I haven't been through these since last year. So it's going to be kind of a, a, you know, surprise for me too. (laughs) All right. So gift one, 
the first gift that God gave us is blessing for the world. So the prophecy was Genesis chapter 22, verses 17 and 18. This is from the NIV. All of these will be NIV. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. I love this. This is God speaking to Abraham and saying to the man who had a barren wife until the age of who knows, I don't remember. She was very old. Um, he said, I will bless you and your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And the really amazing blessing here is we, even if you are not by birth, a Jew, um, if you're not a direct descendant of Abraham in DNA, you are a descendant of the promise. And so we are part of that promise because of the fulfillment of that prophecy involves the church that Jesus established, the, the Christian church. So it's amazing. Um, it's just amazing when you look back at this and see the multifaceted fulfillment of this promise, because he did make his biological descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And then because of this, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. So not just the people of Israel not just God's chosen nation in the, in the, in the uh, literal sense of the word nation. Um, but through that offspring, all nations will be blessed because you've obeyed me. So because of Jesus, who was the fulfillment of that prophecy, he was the reason that God even brought forth this chosen race of, of the people of Israel to be his chosen instrument of blessing because of that Jesus opened up the good news that not only will God's people be the people of Israel, the people of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but God's people it's, it's open to Jews and Gentiles. There is no Jew or Greek. There is no Jew or Gentile. There's no male or female. There's no slave or free. There's no anything, but everybody, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what you've done, you can be right with God too. That is that promise. Father, thank you so much for allowing all nations, all races, all tribes and religions to have the opportunity to see the truth through Jesus Christ, to become part of your family through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Give us the church with a capital C, the desire to love and bless the world rather than gather in a holy huddle and keep our light hidden. Equip us with everything we need to be salt and light, that city on a hill that will point everyone in the world to Jesus. And I would add that you would bring unity to us as the people of Jesus, as the brothers and sisters in Christ that we are, as the many members of one body. Help us to be light to others. Let them know who we are by our love. In Jesus' name, amen. Gift two is the light of the world. The prophecy is from Numbers twenty four seventeen. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. 
a scepter will rise out of Israel. Jesus is the light of the world. And since then, since the, since Jesus came, it's like, it just feels like the world is getting ever darker. That's just that it's maybe I, I tend to be an optimist, but to me, the world seems to be getting ever darker in many ways, but Jesus is the light of the world. And the beautiful gift of that is that light becomes even more evident, the darker things get around it. So if you've got a flashlight in a room and it's light, that light's still there. It's still valid. But as you dim the lights in that room, that light becomes more prominent and prevalent. And I think that's part of God's amazing paradox that the darker the world around us gets, the more brightly that light of Jesus can shine. And the other really cool thing is that we can shine his light too. Like in that previous blessing where it talks about, you know, us being that city on a hill, um, we can, we can be that light. We can reflect the light of Jesus to the world. And again, the darker the world around us gets, as long as we are tapped into Jesus, as long as we are rooted in him, as long as we are remaining in the true vine, we can also be that light to the world. Thank you, Lord, so much for sending Jesus to be the light of the world. You created this world and you saw that it was good. And since that time, darkness has entered and it has become increasingly evident. But we are so thankful for the hope that we have and that wonderful, beautiful paradox that the darker that world gets, the more brightly the light of Jesus shines in him and through us. Protect us from sadness, hopelessness, and despair as we see the world around us and the problems and the sin and death. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the light of the world, whose brilliance illuminates even the darkest corners of the earth and our hearts. Amen. Gift three is life springing up from death. Isaiah 11.1. 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. So God is a redeemer. And the really great thing is that life springs up from death. So there's this kind of gross analogy that I have in my head, just as a person that loves gardening, that the things in our life that are just rotten and horrible, like just think of the worst things in life, or even in this world, there are things that I just can't even fathom that people could do to one another. And I would consider that a worm infested manure pile. That's how I picture it. I'm going to use Christian girl language here. So there are some things when you, maybe you've gone through them yourself and maybe you're like, yeah, I know there is some terrible stuff in this world. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you've just heard of it. Maybe you've been right smack in the middle of it too close for comfort. And those things, they, they represent death and filth. And yet it is worm infested manure piles that are used to grow a garden. 
And God does that. And like I said before, it kind of takes us back. I mean, I, I, I'm, I am not a theologian, but my opinion is that there are things in life that don't happen for any reason other than sin and death is in the world. There's some terrible things that I will never be able to probably bring myself to say, yeah, God made that happen. So something else could happen, but I know that he's in it. And I know that he can take that filth and that darkness and death and he can use it to grow a garden. And that is what he did with Jesus. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. So meaning the dead stump that looked like it could bear no goodness. That shoot sprung up out of it. Life came from death. And from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. So the law was given. And the Bible tells us this. I think it's in Hebrews. I I should have looked this up, but I'm pretty sure it's in Hebrews. But it talks about the law came basically to show us as people, as humans, that we couldn't keep it all, that there's no way that we could live perfectly. And So there was sacrifices that had to be made in the Old Testament over and over and over again to atone for or pay for the sins of the people of Israel to make them right with God again. And it was bloody. It was inconvenient. And it was a constant reminder in their face that they could not measure up. And that looked like death. That just looked like there was just, it looks like there's no way out of this. There's no way that we can measure up. So we have to keep killing. We have to keep sacrificing. We have to keep, you know, ceremonial cleansing and all of the things that had to happen. And yet a shoot of hope came out from that stump of death and insufficiency and not good enoughness because there's nothing we can do to work our way into good graces with God. Nothing. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the spirit of the Lord will rest on the one that shoot that comes up from the stump and he will bring hope. And the hope that he gives us is so amazing because it means no more sacrifices because that one sacrifice of Jesus paid the price for the sin that we have done in the past, that we are doing now in the present, and that we will ever do in the future when we place our faith on the person of Jesus Christ and we rely on him to be our savior, that is hope and that is life. And from his roots, a branch will bear much fruit. He will bear fruit, meaning he will bear descendants, spiritual descendants, Christians, and that they will bear fruit that will last. Treasures in heaven spiritual fruit that is going to impact the world for God's kingdom and bring pieces of God's kingdom from heaven down to earth to give glory to God. God, we praise you for being the redeemer of all things. You're the redeemer of that worm infested dung pile. You're the redeemer of that stump of Jesse, that 
constant grind of sacrifice and sacrifice and not measuring up and trying so hard and falling away and coming back. And it's done. It is done. It is finished. Because of Jesus, that one sacrifice once for all builds a bridge from us to you to live in fellowship with you, to have your Holy Spirit living in us, even one more, (laughs) even better than just fellowship. You're in us. Even from death, you bring new life. Even in painful pruning and from lifeless looking stumps, you create fruit bearing trees. From the birth of a baby destined to die, you brought hope and eternal life to all of humanity. Thank you for that promise of life that has robbed death of its sting and the grave of its victory. Amen. Gift number four is a perfect ruler. Wow. That's, a, that, that's hard to find, isn't it? The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous savior. That's Jeremiah 23 verses five through six. We can look high and low and to the farthest corners of the earth. We will never find a perfect earthly ruler. Israel desperately wanted a king. They had judges and, you know, they kind of eked in some rulers and finally God said, okay, whatever, I'll give you a king, but you asked for it. And boy, they had some Kings that they probably wished that they hadn't had. And that's the same for us. You know, there are earthly rulers. And just when you think you found someone that you think is, is great and is, is doing good things, they do something to disappoint you. Um, it is impossible to find a perfect ruler in this world simply because we're imperfect people. But the good news is that we have a king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. So no matter who is reigning here on earth, whether you like them or don't like them or agree with them or don't agree with them, we know that we serve a perfect ruler. And that brings me a lot of comfort. It takes some pressure off. Yes, you know, we, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in exercising your right to vote wherever you happen to live, but our perfect ruler can only be found in Jesus. And so we need to remember that and cling to that. Jesus, we praise you for being a wise, just, and perfect ruler. For as long as we can remember, humanity has been seeking out and longing for great rulers of nations only to come up short. There is no perfect ruler, but you. Thank you for the hope we have that you are our king, our judge, and our savior now and forevermore. Amen. Gift number five is the church. This prophet, this prophecy was spoken by Samuel to King David. This is from 2 Samuel 7, 12 to 13. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And you might've guessed it, but that offspring that came from David's own body is Jesus himself because he came from the line of David genealogically. So that's the whole reason they went back to Bethlehem to register, you know, when, uh, when they had the census, that's why Jesus was born in Bethlehem because they were going back to register as being from the line of David. So 
the church. He will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So going back to that perfect ruler, his subjects are the church with a capital C. That's all the Christians in all the world, everyone who places their faith in Jesus. And in that church with a capital C, there's no denomination. There's no male or female. There's no Jew or Greek. There's no anything else. When you're in this body of Christ, you're part of the church, the universal church. And that is a gift. And it's been hard for us, the church, in the last couple of years with COVID, with politics, with all kinds of just ugly debates and arguments among ourselves. Um, it has been a hard couple of years. And we need to remember who our king is. And we need to remember who we are. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm just as guilty as anyone else for getting in, uh, falling prey to, you know, taking sides on issues and getting offended or, you know, uh, having bitterness about people that don't think exactly the same as me. And it's damaging. And we need to find a way out of it because I'm grieved. And I know the Holy Spirit is grieved and you're probably grieved to look around and see the state of the church right now. We're politically divided. We're socially divided. We're, we're divided on, on so many different fronts. And so we need to just thank God for the gift of the church and pray for the church with a capital C and reflect in our own hearts to try and ask God to draw out anything in us that is contributing to division in the church with a capital C, whether it's denominational uh, problems or political or, or social issues, whatever it is. Um, we need to prioritize unity in the church. And, and by we, I'm absolutely including myself in that. God, we thank you so much for the precious gift of the church, the body of Christ, which houses your holy name. As imperfect as we are, you've chosen to use us to usher in your kingdom, to accomplish your will here on earth as it is in heaven. We humbly come before your throne asking for forgiveness for the many ways we fall short, seeking your grace, your forgiveness, and strength to love one another as you have loved us, to be united in harmony and solidarity of purpose. And Lord, we know that harmony doesn't mean sameness. Harmony is only accomplished with multiple notes, multiple musical notes. You've created us so different, and that's good. And we just pray that you would help us to come together in harmony, not feeling like we have to think exactly the same or believe exactly the same things about certain issues, but that we can major on the majors and come together in harmony, impacting the world for your glory. We pray against division and quarreling, and we ask that you would use us mightily to encourage one another and to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a hurting world. Amen. Gift six is God's power in our weakness. I love this one. I guess because I have so many weaknesses, this one is particularly encouraging to me. <laughs> we all have weaknesses, but I just think, ah, oh, thank you, God, that your power is made perfect 
in our weakness. Micah 5, 2 says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Bethlehem, I thought this was neat. It literally means house of bread. And I think the bread of life came from Bethlehem, but it was also small and even despised. They were kind of, I think they were kind of considered to be, um, I don't know, sort of uncultured maybe, and not wealthy and despised for sure for being small. And the term comes to mind bogans. So we have some family in Australia and they taught us the word bogan. And I guess it means kind of like someone who's uncultured and maybe, I don't know, hick might be kind of a term that would be parallel to that in America. Um, but yeah, they thought they were bogans. So uh, yeah, it, Bethlehem was not this grand place that you would expect a king to come out of. And he, even beyond that, was born in a stable. And yet God used Bethlehem, this tiny village, to be the birthplace of God incarnate. And he used a stable. He even, you know, we talked about all things happening for a reason. I believe there was a reason there was no room in the inn. It was because Jesus was meant to be found by the lowliest of lowly, the shepherds watching their flocks. They were the first ones to see Jesus. And if they had been in a hoity-toity hotel or inn, they probably wouldn't have let the shepherds all in. But instead, it was this beautiful, quiet scene, private because no one was going to hang out with the animals. And I say quiet, there was probably a lot of animal noise going on. But God chose to use the lowliest, smallest, despised town to bring forth his son. And it's because it displayed his power and it made him accessible to everyone. And I think when we go through times where we feel weak, we can take comfort and say, I may not be strong in this area, but that just means that God can accomplish things through me that are going to just blow people away. Cause they're going to be like, that couldn't have been her. <laughs> That's what I think. Oh Lord, you used Bethlehem, a small village to be the birthplace of God incarnate, like the loaves and the fish, this house of bread would be filled with your power and multiplied to feed all of humanity through the quiet birth of a baby in a humble stable meant for livestock. We praise you as the almighty God, whose power is made perfect in our weakness. Amen. Whose greatness is displayed through the humble things and humble people of this world. Let us never forget that God. Let us never think too highly of ourselves or strive to be higher than we are. Help us to boast in our weakness so that you can be magnified. Let us never, ever forget that amazing works are possible through our brokenness and insufficiency. Be glorified in us and through us, Lord. Amen. Gift seven 
God with us. Isaiah 7, 14 says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel, God with us. I think often that God could have been a distant God. He could have easily created everything and just set it into motion and allowed things to happen. There's a, I don't know, just, I guess there's, there's something very beautiful about the idea that God, who is so much higher than we could ever fathom, rejoices over us with singing in Zephaniah. It talks about, he rejoices over you with singing. He sings over us like a mother singing over her child. There's another verse that talks about him covering us with his wings, like a mother bird covering her babies in her wings to protect them. He displayed his love for us by humbling himself to be with us. I think too, that Jesus, he was with God in heaven before he became a human. It wasn't like God conjured up this human flesh and put a little bit of himself into it. Jesus himself as an entity, as a person was with God, the father somehow before the creation of the world. In John 1, 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So Jesus humbled himself and allowed himself to be born in this world. And I I picture it being a painful transition. We don't really think about it a lot, but you know, as we walk around during the day, there's cold, there's there aches and pains. There's that kink in your neck from sleeping on it wrong. Your feet hurt in heaven. I'm guessing there's none of that. So I imagine that the transition of being in heaven and coming to earth and being born would have been a very painful transition, very different experience. And I just don't ever want to forget the amazing truth of that, that Jesus humbled himself. I don't even like to take my dog outside when it's, you know, two degrees outside, you know, I've I've been having to take him out in very cold weather lately. I don't even like to take him out and get myself out of my comfort zone just to do that. And here's Jesus permanently knowing that he would go to earth basically for the explicit purpose of suffering and being rejected and being tortured and dying. And, but he did. So it's quite a gift, Emmanuel, God with us. And then not to mention the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, which was given after Jesus left the earth. Lord, you could have been a distant God. You could have created the universe, set things into motion, and then simply looked on. Instead, you chose to love us intimately, to rejoice over us with singing. You chose to have a relationship with us. 
You sent your one and only son to be born as one of us, showing us your character up close and personally. You displayed your love for us as God the Son lived a human life, knowing his destiny was suffering and death, all so that humanity could have an even more intimate relationship with you for all of eternity. This gift is too much to understand. It's too overwhelming to try and comprehend. Open our eyes and our hearts to the deep mystery of this truth as we approach Christmas, that by understanding even just a fraction of your love for us, that we would come away transformed. Amen. And the last gift in this devotional is gift eight, victory over our enemies. Can anybody say amen? (laughs) And our enemy with a capital E, because a lot of times uh, we lose sight of the fact that our, our true enemy is Satan. People are just instruments. If you want to get to the root of what the problem is, it's that spiritual battle that is not against flesh and blood. As we learned in Ephesians, it is the principalities, the rulers of this dark world, which would be Satan and his demons. If you're going to just put it all out there, that, that is our number one enemy. So Psalm 72, nine and 10, may the desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. Jesus is the ultimate victor. There's no surprise ending here. Like we know the end. I sometimes wonder if Satan knows his end. I I seem to remember there being a verse about how he knows his time is brief. That might just be uh, like from a hymn. Is it from a mighty fortress? I think it's from a mighty fortress is our God. Something about um, he knows his time is brief. So he's in the death throes trying to take everyone down with him because he knows that he just has a short time here on earth to wreak havoc and to be the ruler of the earth before he's taken down but he wants to make sure he takes as many people down with him as he can. Whether or not that is biblical, you'll have to check me on that. (laughs) But it's definitely hymnical because it's from that hymn. So, uh, but there is no surprise ending. Jesus is the victor and we can stand on that, literally stand on that. And so when we face enemies, when we face problems, when we face difficulties. We need to be walking already in a place of victory. A picture I get in my head sometimes of what happens when I start to believe the voices of the enemy, or when I start to feel defeated by the enemy, even though that's not my birthright. I picture myself in a jail cell with the door closed, but unlocked. Because what happens is Satan creates this illusion And the way that illusion happens, it could happen in your mind. It could happen through circumstances, but he gives you this picture that you are not victorious. You're, you're jailed, you're imprisoned and there's no way out. But what we need to realize is it's not locked. We could walk out at any time. Jesus is victorious. So I feel like I get, um, deceived by the enemy a lot. And so my prayer, one of the most powerful prayers that I like to pray is God, remove the veil of deception. Just remove that veil. 
Let me see this for what it is. Let me see your hand at work. Let me see how you're working that manure pile to grow a garden. Let me see how you are not defeated, how you're a redeemer of death and pain and sickness and how you can bring goodness out of every single situation to bring glory to yourself, to bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven and to bring victory to your people and to your church. That's what we need to be praying. So we need to recognize the gift of victory over our enemies and most importantly, over our enemy with a capital E. Jesus, we praise you as the ultimate victor. There is no surprise ending. You have conquered death, darkness, sin, every enemy who would set himself up against you and the enemy himself, Satan. We lift you up as the mighty conqueror, the God of angel armies, the lion of Judah. Before you, enemies tremble, demons shudder, and Satan is rendered powerless. We thank you for the gift of victory that you've chosen to share with your people. We claim it. We walk in it. And we pray that we will never, ever forget that we have nothing to fear as long as we follow you. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining me today. This has been so good. I'm so glad that we had this time together. And I am going to definitely be meditating on each one of these gifts in a little bit more detail with a little bit more quiet time with God. And we would love to hear how you've been enjoying these. If you do decide to get this PDF again, go to prayingchristianwomen.com slash gifts, G I F T S, and you'll be able to sign up. Um, and if you have any trouble, just email us at connect at prayingchristianwomen.com, or you can email us and let us know if this list of gifts of Christmas has blessed you and how it's done. So have a wonderful rest of your week, have an amazing Christmas season, and we will be talking to you soon. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.